Hey, and welcome back to the Songbirds Magazine podcast. Here, we'll be talking about all things creative process, creative vision, and creative inspiration. So there's only one objective here, which is to uplift and inspire through telling the stories of brilliant musicians and artists. I am your host, Chloe, and today I am chatting with Chris Lee, aka Delve. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, Delve is an indie electro folk singer-songwriter. Wow, quite a prolific title. And your first album, Waiting, came out in 2020. Yeah. And your second album, Gardens and Plantings, is slowly revealing itself, kind of one vertebrae at a time um, through the coming months, and it will eventually be released into a full album. Yes, um, got it. So thank you again for coming on and talking to me. I have a couple, I mean, I have a bunch of questions kind of queued up, but I would love to kind of have you start from the beginning, give me a little bit of an intro, um, maybe about where you're from originally and how you kind of got into music. Sure. Um, so I grew up in South Jersey and then, um, moved to Philly, um, when I was about 18 years old and trying to think of my background in music. I've always been a musician from the time I was young. Um, I was always like in chorus and doing different musical things. And my dad was a singer songwriter too. He played acoustic guitar. Um, and I remember him always like playing folk music around the campfire and stuff like that. So that was probably the birth of some of my sound. Okay. That's like softer acoustic sound, um, that I grew up around and um, and then for a while, I, I actually didn't do music for a little bit. Um, I was mostly just working. And then I moved out to um, LA for some like other job opportunities. And that's when Delve was conceived. Um, before yeah. that, I was always just doing more like singer songwriter stuff in my room, always liking to play just me and my guitar. And when I went to LA, I started really getting into music production and going to like female run music production workshops and schools and got into a program called Ableton, which is really like uh, where a lot of electronic music is made. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I really started developing that I wanted to do something outside of just a traditional singer songwriter role. Yeah. Um, I started feeling, I started feeling limited, I guess. I would say like, you know, there's only so much that you can do with voice and guitar. And obviously there's so many people who can like tactfully play so beautifully, but I was interested in more than just one genre. And I was wanting to integrate my love of electronic music and my love of like softer, folkier, acoustic sounds and marry them and really bring and expand on some of the emotion that I wanted to convey in the songs. Um, and I felt like you can do that a little bit more with like synth and um, really being able to create more attention in a piece. And so that's when I started expanding there. And then uh, just during COVID, I moved back to Philly and mm-hmm. here I am. And that's really the like Delve musical journey was like singer songwriter, 
then got into really into electronic. I was, it was actually just instrumental at first. I was just writing instrumental, like electronic folk music, and then got back into my voice actually um, just recently. That's awesome. Um, so, cause you know, it's so funny with so many people now you can just like, people have like Wikipedia pages and stuff and like social media. And like, I love getting to know people on just a level of like, I don't know what you were doing two years ago, three years ago. So I, I would love to love hearing it from your perspective of kind of like your journey. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear that you, you know, took a break and kind of came back. So I love that because I think so many people can sometimes think that once you stop, you stop or, you know, that's the end. But who who else um, has been like a musical inspiration to you? You also you mentioned um, being into electronic music as well. Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with my my folk folks. Yeah. Because that's like my whole really my heart lives in folk music. Um and not like country style folk, definitely like more indie folk. Um, yeah. And I would say some of my biggest inspirations are Jose Gonzalez, Nick Drake, Adrian Lanker, um, and more her individual stuff than Big Thief. Big Thief is rad, but I like love <laughs> just her and her guitar, which is ironic because I'm talking about being limited on just guitar. Um, <laughs> and um, chicks like, Fen Lily, Julie Byrne, and um, Gia Margaret, which are just like some other like indie folk, and um, and then for electronic music, I really got into ambient music for a while. So it's harder for me to like name specific um, yeah artists with that because yeah. I listen to more like individual pieces. Um, but for a while, I was really interested in listening to a lot of ambient music, but also um, artists like Tycho. Or Yippa. I actually don't know how to say his name. It's like Y P P H. Maybe you just spell it like that. But um, and they always had like a really cool guitar mixed in with like ambient sounds. And actually, Gia Margaret, which was one of the people that I named, and Julie Byrne both um, integrate like production and electronic into their folk style music and dip back and forth into like being really ambient and really synth heavy, and then being really folk heavy and I like being able to move like that and not and bend and not be uh limited and so that's really inspiring to me is when uh artists genre bend mm-hmm. and even genre bend outside of just like having one um kind of mono sound throughout but like part of their album is folk and part of their album is maybe more electronic and then being able to kind of like dip in and out of the currents with them I love that or even you know, within a song too. Yes. Uh, that's pretty crazy to pull off, but I know that's really impressive to me too. I know a lot of people aren't like album people. Um, so like, <laughs> you know, some people just like don't listen to albums all the way through. Like they'll like, you know, they'll pick a song or two, but um, there's also something about like listening to an album fully through and mm. hearing those things. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. I have an artist. I don't even know if I should name her because she was like my, (laughs) she was like my high school, you know, fangirl. And, (laughs) but she does something similar. I don't, you don't necessarily remind me of her like musically or, or I don't know what the right word is. Like, I don't think, oh yeah, you sound like lights, but 
she does something similar where she released um she releases an album that is electronic and then she releases an acoustic version of the same album um and wow. that kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of this and it was both it was done both of them are they're you know they're so different right but they were both really really good and i almost like appreciated the acoustic album a little bit more because i'm not as much into electronic as mm-hmm. i would be maybe like something that was just someone with a guitar and singing but um mm-hmm. i love that as well like just the ability to kind of not be one genre on, and kind of be multiple things and i think that's really i think that's also what makes you really unique um just listening to your music you know the last couple weeks or so um i i have a hard time kind of placing you in my mind I often like categorize people but like I think what you're doing is super unique which makes it kind of all the better because you know there's so many libraries of 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 people out there and it's hard it's so easy to get kind of like stuck and and doing what everybody else is doing so I'm definitely an advocate for you know doing your own thing how you want to do it um and I really love that you went to school for, or, you know, took classes or whatever, took got additional training in music production. I think that's really interesting as well. Um, mm-hmm. Is, was that something that you originally might've wanted to do and then you kind of broadened it a little bit or? Oh, no, definitely not. I did not think I would fall into music production at, at all. Um, I was like, not techie. I'm like the opposite of techie. Um, and so I, yeah, um, beginning in the, in the soft, sad girl room, uh, like my high school room and like singing sad songs was just kind of like as far as I thought it would go. And, um, actually my, who's now my husband, um, was someone who introduced me into production, the world of production and made it really feel accessible. I think as a, as a woman in, in music, um, that world doesn't feel super inviting, like the mm-hmm. gear talk, the heavy gear talk and, um, the production world, it, it feels like really masculine. And, um, sometimes like there's a barrier around being able to get into the club, um, yeah. able to, like name all these stats and gear and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I wasn't really attracted to it. Um, but he is a music producer and began kind of like telling me that I needed to come out of the bedroom and be like, no, you need to like record what you're doing and you need to like continue to expand. But then the more I worked with him, the more interested I got in it myself. Um, and then LA is great for like all of the resources that they have there just in general for like any creative modality that you love. Um, but I loved how, how many opportunities there were for music production and advocating for women. And in that space, it started to feel really comfortable and good to be able to dig into music production. And it's like, Oh, I can turn this knob. Like, Oh, I can press this button. Like, it's not, it's really not all that. There's just like all these crancy or crancy as crazy, fancy, crancy <laughs> DM y'all um, names for everything. Like, you know, naming like some, like the Ableton launch pad, like launch pad. I don't know. It just seems <laughs> so yeah. intense. Um, but yeah, um, and I also wanted autonomy. I felt like that was 
really important to me is that when you are producing with other people, you're really subject to their ear and their sound. And sometimes that can be really beautiful. And sometimes that can be really frustrating um, where you're like, no, I want it to sound like this, but you don't know how to make the sound yourself. You're trying to be as descriptive as possible. You're like, no, more autumnal. And they're like, do you want like the reverb? Like, I have no idea what you're saying. Um, so learning the language and then being able to create the sounds that I wanted to create myself was became really important to me as I was developing as an artist. So it almost came out more out of a necessity than it, it did a longing. Um, but then the more I learned, the more I felt attracted to it. And it's still not like my favorite part of the process, like the recording process. My favorite part of the process is writing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then producing yeah producing comes second so you produce your own your own songs right like right now yeah so I do all the the recording um actually just like in my living room or wherever it sounds good and um and then I do all like the vocal editing and write all the parts and then um my husband does the mixing and mastering and if I'm like looking for a drum part because he's also a drummer then I'll uh I'll have him help me out with like the last five percent ten percent or so i love that yeah you guys are like a collaborative duo I uh, yeah I, I, I wish <laughs> that my boyfriend spoke any kind of like you know design language or communication language at all um oh my gosh yeah it's definitely i realize how lucky i am to have like a producer and in my home at all times. <laughs> I mean, you sound fantastic. Um, so thanks. You sound like a plus. Um, <laughs> I do want to go back to like something that you said, which I definitely agree with you on and want to know if you just generally have like thoughts, but like, oh, I guess I should ask the, the first question I was thinking. <laughs> I'm like thinking <laughs> of like 10 different things at the same time. Like I should, I should note this down so I don't forget to ask or forget to comment on the one thing you just said. Um, <laughs> Are you, are you currently, um, an independent artist or are you, are you, are you working with a label? I'm an independent artist right now. Um, I've been talking to a couple of labels about the physical release of the album. We're moving forward with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not super attached to the idea of like needing a label or having a label. Um, I like, I like the freedom. I feel like that's a theme. <laughs> like, yeah. I like make my own decisions. And if you're like, well, that the one thing about being an independent artist is like when you have to like fund it yourself and do a lot of the work yourself and you have to be business minded, which I think a lot of, not all, but a lot of musicians are not, right? They're more like the creative type as opposed to like the marketing social media manager types. It would be nice to have a team like that, but kind yeah. of. I mean, begin seeing what happens. Yeah, I definitely have done a lot of research. I, I put out an article on Spotify pretty recently about oh, just them, like, you know, it's great for listeners, right? It's like you get all of this music, all of these options, and it's mm-hmm. terrific for users. But, you know, as an artist, I know that you guys don't make a ton of money. Yeah. And so, just trying to explore like you know does everybody just end up signing or because I I do agree and I I do think that you give up some creative (laughs) 
right in some ways, you know, and I obviously haven't experienced this firsthand, but just from hearing, you know, the process, um, more and more people are independent now, which I think is fantastic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at how many people are going through social media and just other kind of avenues to to gain traction, I think Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to, but you're right. You know, there's definitely like a monetary factor. Um, at that point, you know, you might need to like hire other outside people. Um, and maybe, you know, traditionally the record company kind of like does it all for you. Maybe they give you like PR and this, that, and the other, and it's maybe like a package deal. I was curious if you were, you know, with the label or not. And, um, and we don't have to get like too deep into that, obviously, but, um, it is interesting as, yeah, as I think, um, you've definitely gained, I don't know, like, you know, you're pretty prevalent on like Spotify and social media. And so, you know, that's done without working with, you know, a third party. So, yeah, you just kind of have to look at yourself or your project, like a business sometimes. Yeah. Um, Like, do you want to work for someone or do you want to be an entrepreneur? And that's really the difference between like having a label or not. And again, it can be, like you said, um, exposure is like the most important thing, but with, uh, working with a label or the thing that you probably will get the most of, but yeah, there's, it's definitely a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely interesting. Um, I do want to talk about to your, your kind of your series of EPs and this new album, cause I think it's really cool. Um, so the new EPs are being released at a month at a time um, for the Gardens and Plantings, mm-hmm. you know, album. Um, and I thought that was really interesting and very unique. I love, I love people that are not doing the traditional thing. I yeah. Love that. Um, so I would just love to hear more about kind of, you know, whether it's the, the, the process of this album. I mean, I know um, a lot of things happened in the last year. Right. Have been super stressful for everybody, but I would love to kind of just hear about inspiration for this kind of slow release. I love that phrase, slow release, because I think that that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like a slow releasing, like artistically, conceptually. Yeah. Um, so when I first got back to Philly, there was a lot of transitions happening just generally in life. Like we were planning to move back to Philly before COVID hit we were moving across like as the shutdowns were all happening it was insane oh my god um so I had a lot that I was feeling just kind of um in that transition just billowing and and building up and so I I knew that I wanted to release music because really the best time to release music is when you feel like you have something to say um or do any artistic project I guess and so I kept going back and forth, like, I really want to release an album, but then I felt so overwhelmed by everything that was changing and happening in life and like in the world at the time, there's the protests going on and, um, and everything that was happening with COVID and, and then also my own personal life transitions and, um, everything just felt so extremely overwhelming that I kept backing away from it and then going back on and then backing away from it. Like, I'm going to release, no, I'm not going to release. I'm not ready. Yes, I am. Um, And then I just kind of had this spiritual moment with myself. I had like kind of been alone in a moment of solitude and lit a bunch of candles and was like journaling or something. And it just came upon me that like the reason that I was getting so frustrated 
was because I was hanging on to this idea of like normalcy or needing things to be a particular way. I think it was like a control thing. Like, oh, I have to release, if I release music, I have to release a full album or like kind of whatever um, limitations you put on yourself and you think you have to do anything a particular way. Um, whether that be like something that you're putting on yourself or something that comes from the outside world. Like, so for example, like, you know, usually people release three singles in an album. That's just like the way it goes, Mm -hmm. um, generally. And so I was just kind of allowing myself permission to slow down and be with myself and, and allow whatever blossoming was happening from this tension to, occur at its own pace. And I just kept feeling like releasing a full album felt like too much work for me in this emotional time. And that's because that was true. And I kept fighting myself and saying, well, you, you know, you know, you need to push past that and do this anyway, you need to do all this work, but you know, taking on an album is a really big undertaking. And especially if you think you have to release it in a particular period of time or whatever. So I just kind of decided that I was going to like, since structure was, and I'm kind of making sense of this now as I talk about it, all of structure was being questioned on a societal level, on a personal level, on a social level, like all sorts of structure, like was disintegrating in front of us and needed to be rebuilt. And so I think maybe it was an interpretation of that, like not having a structure, allowing more fluidity um, an allowance, you know, I keep using the word allow because I think allowance is, is a theme. And so doing it slowly at a slower pacing, which matched really what was happening was everyone was like forced to slow down and really be more mindful. Um, I wanted that to be reflected in the work, which was that I was taking my time. I was being more mindful and I was being present with what was true instead of whatever structure I thought should be in place. Yeah. I am. This makes me think a lot about like my process too and my journey because I definitely have felt similarly. Um, I think, you know, the last year has either been, I mean, everyone had to shift. You're absolutely right. And I think it, it made everybody slow down. And for some people, it was like, you know, I need to take a break. I need to kind of enjoy this pace and some people kind of like stopped their creative projects or stopped producing music for a little bit Mm -hmm. um and with others like myself I found that this was my time to be creative you know I never had this much free time in my life and never had the time to really like maybe you have to kind of like see past the clouds of life of like everything was moving super, super fast. Um, at least for me, that's how I, I think I dealt with it. There was like so much in flux and then I had all this stuff, you know, happened, but then it was kind of like, I could breathe and then I could reorganize myself and see what I wanted to do. But I think what you're saying about like, you know, you had this pressure from, you know, the rules of what everybody else was doing to like write the full album and do the full album and do it, you know, probably soon. Um, Mm -hmm. But then that, and that is, that is a lot to deal with, but at the same time, you know, you can't do nothing. And maybe it's just like, I think you're right. You're, you're kind of like playing by your own rules and writing your own rules. Um, 
And there's nothing that says, you know, like you can't do that. So I think that is uh, awesome. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That I just was like, who the fuck am I like doing this for? Like why? Right. Um, and then again, like um, I alluded to it kind of earlier, like with like some of like, the really like masculine way that music goes. I'm like, I'm going to be like feminine and fluid. I'm going to just like do it my own way. And it felt really like uh, relieving to, to tell myself that I was allowed to do that. There's so many pressures. I've, I've been like thinking about and like pressures that we put on ourselves as creative people. We look at other people, you know, with social media and there's just such a pressure of like, what's this person doing? What's this person doing? And, but I think it's about, finding what's true to you um that's why I'm doing what I want to be doing and I I don't want to talk about I I want to talk about you know creative process and and creativity among amongst women like that's what I love and so Mm -hmm. you know I think it goes back to like circling like you said about like why am I doing this like your why of like for me it's like being authentic and I feel like that's exactly what you're doing um in a way and not listening to like what you know the men in music are doing or, you know, people that are going full force. Um, I love that. Yeah. I'm trying. That's, that's my goal too. Truthfully, like out of anything else, the the thing that I want to leave behind me the most is just being authentic. Yeah. I mean, we have to, yeah, I, I totally, that's, that's me too. Like anytime I think about doing anything, I'm like, why am I doing this? This doesn't feel like me. There's something wrong. You know, I, (laughs) but I think, um, I think you've kind of, you've, you've done that already. And just from what I've seen so far, it does feel so like real and unique. I think that's, um, just, just in itself. Um, there's something like that I can't, um, like put my finger on about it but um how I am curious to know like I love the idea of this like slow release like how have you have have you heard from you know fans and others about it are they enjoying this kind of like slow um like anticipation in a way (laughs) that's kind of the hope too is like building anticipation for the physical release um yeah yeah I find that people are they seem more engaged Whereas with waning, people were engaged, but it was so, like, all at once. Mm-hmm. As opposed to now, I'm noticing that I'm actually building more consistent musical relationships or relationships with people who are, like, reaching out to me about my music. Um, whether they be, be people who listen or people who want to, like, engage with me because they're also artists. Um and I'm finding that because I'm releasing more regularly, people are engaging more regularly. And that feels nice too, um, to be building community around it while it, while it happens. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Right. And, and it's definitely like engagement, like mm-hmm. you said, like keeping people kind of on the line waiting for more. And then it's like more opportunity to kind of, um, you know, hear from you and it's, you know, more consistency. So Mm -hmm. definitely worked out, I think, doing it this way. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, you talked in the beginning about wanting to have a conversation and making 
the engagement more conversational. It, it's almost like that too. I'm having a conversation because I'm really writing these these songs in real time. Like they're ha- I'm recording my next release like this week. Um, yeah, and I wrote it last month, so it's all happening as this is all happening. And so I'm like saying, this is what, you know, this is what's going on or like something I'm perceiving at this moment in time. And then people get to have like an in real time conversation with me about it. Or, um, I don't know, maybe I'm, I wonder if too, if people can hear the more of the authenticity coming through because it's happening in, in real time, as opposed to sometimes songs sit on a shelf for like years and then you produce it. And by the time, like for me, at least, I don't know, I can't speak for all musicians, but if a song's been sitting there for a long time, after a year, I already hate it. I'm like, I don't want to record this. <laughs> so I'm like more impassioned in the moment while I'm writing. Um, and I, I wonder if that comes through. I hope it does. I think so. Um, yeah. And I have a friend who's very much the same way. She, um, you know, she's already releasing a bunch of songs and then meanwhile writing all these new songs and is like, I'm already over that. Right. Like, it's already (laughs) done. Like, we don't need to go back. And it's like, I do, I totally think so because then the audience can be more engaged and it feels like we're actually, you know, going through some of these emotions with you or, you know, getting a taste of some of the experiences or whatever is like prompting, you know, the song. So um, I think that's a really great way to, to kind of keep the story going um, in real time. And I mean, speaking of which, I would love to hear more about kind of where you get your inspiration for um, the songs you write. I mean, is this, more from like real life experience or um I mean I know it's a lot of like poetic prose and poetry like I I love that style so just kind of hearing about what you know how do you get there (laughs) maybe your creative process maybe that's that's the better question yeah like how do I actually sit down and write a song yeah yeah it usually happens the same way each time um which is Generally, I pick up my guitar and I start just kind of like dabbling around on it and maybe playing riffs that I already know or just things that are coming to mind. And then um, I usually end up picking up my guitar when whenever I am feeling like a calling to something or just um, like something is welling up. I can just like feel an emotion is, is present, mm-hmm. whether something like just happened or I'm just noticing that something's resonating. Um, within me. And then I'll pick up my guitar and I'll immediately know that that's a moment I need to start playing. And sometimes things come out, sometimes they don't. Um, but I know that I always need to, to turn to music in that moment and go, okay, like something in my body's asking me to, to say something. Um, and then I'll play around until a riff resonates. Um, and a lot of times the riffs are coming from, you know, like tunings of music I'm listening to at that time or, um, just like maybe uh, trying to emote something, like uh, trying to reflect the feeling that I'm having internally. And then once I hit the riff, I know I've hit it like, oh, I like this when a melody just starts kind of like floating out. Um, And then the melody just feels 
truthful. I don't know how to explain how it feels truthful. <laughs> it just does. Like, I, I don't have to think anymore. I think that that's when I, I know that a song is happening is when I stop thinking and I just am completely, um, you know, in flow state and you're, um, it's just all happening before you and you're part of the experience as opposed to like facilitating it. Um, yeah. And then I'll just like kind of mumble words until the melody is complete. I never try to like write the words before the melody is complete because that usually stops the process. Right. And I think it's because you go into like your thinking brain to write the words. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be in my thinking brain in that moment. I want to be like in my body. Um, so then once the melody is done, then I'll start going back and lit. I'll actually re-listen to the mumble words. And sometimes there's phrases in there that I've said over and over or phrases that are coming out. And, I, and then I'll think, oh, what's that phrase about? Why am I singing that those particular words? Um, and then usually that's how I know that there's like a theme happening in there and I'll start picking at that. Um, usually like one or two phrases will stick out as like, oh, that's the theme. And then I'll start writing a poem around that. That's, that's so cool. Um, I'm also just fangirling because I'm the person that like would all like my dream would be like to be a musician if I could like live my life again and like suddenly get good at other things <laughs> you know that's <laughs> that's basically me which is why you know I'm doing these interviews because I love listening to this um yeah that's I love that you're saying it's something kind of like you describe it as like this physical experience mm -hmm. um and it like kind of takes over um and there's something so interesting about just like you know you just pick up your guitar and you start and you just start like messing around and something you know kind of happens like maybe us as listeners we sometimes think oh there's like some big you know creative process in this moment and all these mm -hmm. things happen but you know you start by just doing the thing even if you don't know what you, where you're going yet or what your what your plan is um no I never have a it's never planned. <laughs> never have a plan. I, I, f I forget the name um, of the poet who um, who said it this way. And I'm like so disappointed because I would love to credit her. Um, but she was just like a really prolific poet. And um, she always talked about how she knew a, a poem was coming. And she described it as a like a horse that would come galloping in. And she would have to outrun the horse to her pen and paper and, you know, capture it before it was able to gallop away. And so it was like these brief moments in time where like ideas come like flooding in. And if you miss that moment, then it's going to kind of gallop away and the idea will maybe go find someone else or, you know, go fleet, be fleeting. Um and I thought that was like a really interesting concept because that's kind of how it feels. It's like this thing just kind of comes galloping in and you have to like in that moment, like very quickly <laughs> gather all of your items and start, start doing the work. Wow. Yeah. Like hurry, like drop everything you're doing and go. Right yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. I also think it's so interesting. Um, I mean, that you write, you write the lyrics afterwards is this every time or like mostly every time? Uh, yeah, every time. If I try to write the lyrics first, it usually just turns into a poem and it never turns into a song. Oh. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I might take like a line from something here and there, but um, yeah, like if, if I start with the words, I have trouble 
emoting the the musical pieces. It's because music is a lot more sensory, and I think that that it's closer to the feeling than maybe the words are, at least in the moment. Yeah. No, definitely. There's this just like I think I have this, and obviously musicians who people who do this professionally have this as well but it's like a feeling like I know when I as a, a listener when I listen to a song and I really like it I'm like there's something about this like the melody or just like I don't even know like the rhythm there's something so like strong and it usually isn't I don't think it, it usually is any like phrasing or words in particular to me Mm -hmm. Um, but it comes as more of like, maybe it's like a riff or melody or something, um, that feels more powerful sometimes than even like certain words. But I do think, you know, a lot of people just, I know some people just like listen to the words and that's how they like perceive music, which is also interesting. I'm not one of those people. I haven't connected with one of these people in a while, but (laughs) you know, that's really interesting too, to kind of think about, um, Mm -hmm. to me, it's like the music itself is so much more important. Like they could be telling me nothing like, but you do have this one song that is, it's all instrumental. Um, the hour of noon. Yes. Like, I think that might be my favorite, honestly, just because <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I love that. I love all instrumental songs for some reason, especially what has to be done, you know, well, but like, to me, yeah. like, that's my favorite. I don't need words. Like, yeah, no, same. I love instrumental music. I actually spend a lot of time. I would say like 80% of my music listening is instrumental music. Um, and that's where Delve started. That was actually one of the first Delve songs I ever wrote um, was The Hour of Noon. So, yes. yeah, I love instrumental pieces. I'm actually, the next release is going to be an instrumental piece. Um, I And then I released something right before I started releasing for the album. A letter to you that's also an instrumental piece so mm-hmm. i definitely like yeah keeping the instrumental pieces in there because they're nice little like interludes and just moments in time little captures yeah and that that goes back to what you're saying about um like genre bending and yeah like flexible and fluid there too mm-hmm. um, yeah if i have nothing to say then i'm not going to force myself to say something it's like it's already said just in a different language i guess <laughs> Yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Another thing I was thinking about was you allude to this level of like darkness within your songs. And it's interesting. I know you posted on Instagram, maybe a couple like weeks ago or something, but like, you were like, some of these are actually upbeat. And I was like thinking about it. And I was like, most of these, I wouldn't necessarily feel as, as too dark, but like, I, I do get that sense of darkness. I feel like it's in almost like the vulnerability of the songs. Is that something you feel like is a theme in some of your songs or some of the work that you do? Yeah, I think the, like one of the most common words I hear about my music is haunted. Mm. I hear haunted, warm, and then like ethereal. Um, and I think haunted and warm is an interesting uh, combination of words because they're kind of opposite in a way but um there's I find like this warmth and like haunted music <laughs> I do like I'm comforted by it um yeah so 
I think it's because it comes from a processing. Like whenever I'm processing a feeling or an event or something in my life that's come up, um, that's usually when I'm writing. And so in, in trying to be vulnerable with that feeling and keep it as close to the feeling as possible, I think that that often just comes out um, with a darkness attached to it. Um, yeah, that's when I'm feeling uh, a sense of sadness or grief or overwhelmed. That's usually when I am writing, writing the music because I'm needing to let something come forward and release. Yeah. I mean, I'm a fan. I've always been a fan of like, you know, the sad, the sad song mm-hmm. girl. It's been me for sure. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of my songs too are like about the healing process in a way. I mean, maybe not directly. I think a lot of my, um, like the, the stories that I tell, if you would like call them that, um, are more abstract, um, than like me being like a very little literal writer, like someone like Phoebe Bridgers or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm alluding to, I guess would probably be the word most of the time, like some sort of healing process or like, uh, something that's happening internally or like the nature of being human, like patterns of behavior that come forward or within relationships or within yourself. And that's most of the time what I'm writing about. Yeah. I mean, it's like poetry is very much like a complexity of like metaphors. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I love that. It's kind of up to our interpretation in a way of what, you know, to figure out what you're saying or even create our own stories to identify with, with what you're saying. So I love that you're saying that because that was my exact intention was I never like want to tell, I think for me, like I always wanted people to live inside of the music as opposed to like being told a story and storytelling is um, super important. And I love artists that tell stories and, um, and hearing someone's like interpretation of an event and, um, but for my writing, and again, beginning as someone who, well, Delph started again as an instrumental, my intention was I wanted people to be able to utilize that as like a space holder. You know, music like really can create an atmosphere um, and an environment around you. And so I wanted people to be able to like live inside of it and do their own creative projects and their own work or process their own feelings to the music. And I think that that just kind of accidentally translated even when I started writing words yeah I think people use music for different reasons but music is such a like sensory art that you know listening to something and and, you know people can identify with it and can like get a sense of storytelling from you at the same time so um I love that. Yeah, I I think like I was really influenced, um, like some of the artists that I named earlier, like Iron and Wine, Jose Gonzalez, um, they are, and Nick Drake too. They're all like more poetic lyricists in that way too, um, where you know they're not really talking about a, you know they might be telling a story, but they're telling it through sensory experiences. Like you said, that music is like such a sensory art. Like, um, you know, love being like a yellow curtain that blows in the wind or something, as opposed to like saying something really 
directly to you. Yeah. And people go to music for all different, you know, reasons and stuff. For some people, like for me, that's my, that if, if I don't have music, you know, throughout the day, I feel like empty. I always have felt that way. So um, I think it's really powerful <laughs> to be able to like create something that people can just resonate with, who you know, all these different stories and, and situations. Um I personally like that better, but I know, you know, there's all different kinds of storytelling and artistry. So, yeah, I I really found like, I love what you're doing. Um, and I've, I've only, you know, I've only been listening to it for like a week or two, but um, <laughs> it's, it's really unique. And um, one thing I want to also ask you is what... I, I don't know if you if if um you already might have answered my question, but the hour of noon is that your favorite song ever, or do you have one or an upcoming one that is your favorite? I don't want to make you you know pick, but if you had to pick, <laughs> if you had, I'm not making you, but you have to, yeah. <laughs> right. Actually, Hour of Noon is not my favorite. I do like it for what okay. it is. It seems to be everyone else's favorite, which is great. Um, <laughs> um oh my. I guess I, I really like um it's hard to say because I have like criticisms of all of them, right? Like kind of running through my head right now because I'm too close to no. <laughs> to the art. <laughs> but I, I'm actually really excited about um the next two releases that I have, one of them being an instrumental interlude um, called Interlude on Crestline, a little sneak peek here. And then um, one more that I'm actually like just finishing up now. Um, the lyrics are still coming to life. Um, and I'm really excited about, about those two songs. And they, they feel like my favorites on the album. Mm -hmm. Um but who knows how I'll feel after I write the next song. Because after what, what this is what happens to me. I'm like, I love this song. Like, you know, when you first write it, you're like, yes, yes, this is the song. This is going to be the song. Who knows? I'm so excited. But then you write the next song. You're like, no, 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 this is the song. This is the song. <laughs> and so like every new song, I feel like is the song that I love the most in the moment until, until I don't like it anymore. And I move on. <laughs> well, that means you're doing it right. That means yeah. you're enjoying it. <laughs> Yeah. Being one with the process. Yeah. I don't think I could say each one has like its own, its own thing going on. I'm so excited. Is Can you tell us more about any of the, any of the new releases of what's to come or is that all, is that all we can get right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to think, um, just like in the process of still writing, writing parts for this next one. The next, the next interlude is just exactly that. Like I'm kind of in the middle, right? It's about to be June. Um, so that would be like exactly in the middle of the album. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to have like an interlude, something that like rested between uh, the beginning and the end of the album. Um, and there are some, some words in it, but it's more just like a phrase repeated over and over. And um about being present and um the next song after that that I'm going to release is about 
patterns that get passed down through like family generations. I mean, you probably, after I write it, would never guess that that's what it's actually about, but it's actually about parent child relationships. Like, um, you know, you have a parent who passes down certain things, you know, it being like a waterfall and then that child becomes a parent passing things down and just kind of looking at how, uh, relationships become kind of cyclical or repetitive in a way. Um, and I've been just thinking about that a lot right now. And I think as we like had to kind of move away from society and like closer to our families and like face a lot of those really close and intimate relationships, I've been thinking a lot about intimacy and a lot about where intimacy comes from and how we learn to be intimate. So. I'm so excited. Um, (laughs) And is the album, are you envisioning it to be like linear? Like, I mean, I know it's, it's not the traditional, you know, full album yet, but when Mm -hmm. it gets released, was is I mean this is just a random question at this point but like was your intention to kind of have it be linear or is this something I mean I know you can literally listen to any song you would like at any time but Mm -hmm. um was it intended you know is there a story there from beginning to end Mm, I think there's probably themes that run through that I'm not even aware of yet Sometimes that happens, like you you write something and then you'll listen to, to it back and you're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what was happening to me in that moment. And that's exactly what I was saying. And I didn't know, I didn't have that insight yet, but my subconscious did. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think I'm quite literally just telling the story of of what's happening to me, like in, the, in each month as I write it. Um, so it is linear in that I'm releasing the songs generally in order, except for a couple. Um, so it's linear in that way, but in terms of like telling a story from beginning to end, um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I did think of that. I was thinking, oh, you know, it would be good to start when I first initially had like a couple of songs lined up when I was first deciding to release it this way. Um, I wanted to have a linear storytelling where it was like, oh, first it's going to be about like the birthing of this. And then it's going to be about, you know, this and opening up. Um, but then I think that that was taking away from like my presence, um, being able to just kind of like write what was on my heart. I'm, I am thinking though, that maybe, um, that maybe when I release it, I'm not sure if I'm going to release it in the same order that I released it, like the month to month, or if I'm going to reorder it in a way that does tell a story. Um, but yeah, so no, it's, it's a little bit more less linear, more ex- experiential where it's just kind of like themes that run through, uh, similarities and ideas and what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's still, you know, any kind of theme, I think it still counts, but you know, there's some like some people write albums in that way, I'd say. Like, some people write it as if it's supposed to be, you know, received in that order. So, yeah, um, I was just curious about that. Yeah, I almost I almost did that, but then I didn't have enough songs to plan in advance um, to be able to order it because I didn't I actually didn't know what was going to happen next. I was like, well, well I, that's- I don't know what the next song's going to be, so I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, it's good. But- yeah, exactly. But that's still, that's like even better in a way, because it's like, like you said, it's like real time, your experiences that month, like what's going on and what you're, you know, what you're thinking about, what you're passionate about in that month. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's still going to reflect in a month or two from now when it's released, you know? Um, yeah. And I guess it is some, it does have some sort of storytelling in a way that I, I wonder if when I look back on it, there will be a trajectory of how I either opened up or, or grew in, in whatever I was thinking about or portraying. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, wonderful. I do have, we'll close it. Cause we're all, I'm like almost at an hour, which is awesome. Um, I'll, I'll close it with one question that I want to ask. And it's more, this is a curveball question. Um, surprise question. So, okay. <laughs> um, what advice would you give yourself or a friend? Um, you know, if this was you five years ago, if okay, so if I was talking to five years ago, self, yes, mm-hmm. I would um, tell her to be more courageous and and believe in herself. Um, in a more, more fiercely and, um, yeah, I think that would be it in general. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I mean, you gotta, you gotta believe in yourself and I, you're, you know, you're doing it and just, you know, there's so many people starting their journeys or in different parts of their creative journeys. And so I'd just love to hear um, what people, you know, what people's advice are to, to anybody who's kind of like starting the process or mm. having difficulty in, in a process. Um, yeah, I think like trusting your voice. Um, I do work with like a couple of artists that are just getting started and like specifically women and like wanting to be like, I'm like, you can do production. Like you can do music. It's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we talk about it, I do say like, you know, I was really like timid and and insecure about my own, my own voice and my own storytelling and like what I had to say, but the more you move through that, the more you, you learn to trust yourself, which so creativity and music, if nothing else has been like a healing process and like getting to know myself better, um, and feeling more like actualized and, and centered and, in my voice. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of the scariest parts of tree of creating is trusting your voice and then trusting, um, that others will receive you kindly. Sometimes they do not. Um, but you know, to again, like be brave and courageous and, and believe in yourself so fiercely that none of that's none of the noise, whether it's positive judgment or negative judgment, it's all judgment, um, interfere with, with your connection with your voice. Yes. I'm like clapping to that. Like clap emoji <laughs> is, is me right now. That is incredible. And I, I wish, you know, I could tell myself this. I'm sure we'd all tell ourselves this, you know, five years from now, um, you know, say the same things in our moments of weakness. So yeah. just remembering that there's other people who have either been through the struggle or know the struggle. Um, and that, you know, we're all in it together as, you know, creative women. So yeah, we just got to like empower each other, but, um, yes, 
continuing to uplift and tell each other's stories. That's what I'm trying to do today. Um, and this has been wonderful. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thank um, you for inviting me. It was yes. nice to chat with you and get to know you and hear all about what you're, what you're doing and what you're doing for Philly and the creative. Hey, y'all. Don't forget to follow our beautiful guests on your favorite streaming platforms and give them a follow on social media, too. Most importantly, if you've enjoyed listening in, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and I'll catch you at the next episode. Cheers.